I have to tell you, my heart is incredibly warm to see your faces, for us to worship together, to hear the worship team and have a, a full worship band. It, it's, my heart is warm, so I hope yours is as well. Before we get to the message of the sermon today, I do want to just, we talked a lot in, in December, actually, I was going to say December, January, but in December, we talked a lot at the end of year about year-end giving, and I have been asked a few questions, well, how did we, how did that turn out and where we came in? I want to say this, I will say next weekend, and this week in my weekly update, I will give you specific numbers, but there was uh, a goal. We have some incredibly gifted and just amazing people that are on our finance team and and work with our budget and we had a a target that we needed and I just want to give God an incredible amount of praise because we exceeded that goal and came in absolutely um, just astounding and we need to give God thanks because he... (laughs) He has been so incredibly faithful to us in your obedience through giving. So I know that was very vague, but I just wanted you to know that God did meet our need and he used your faithful obedience to do that. So this coming week and my weekly announcement and the next weekend, we'll give you some specific details so we can rejoice together in that. It was about September, October of last year that I just really began in my personal times of prayer and um, reading God's word and meditating on God's word, began to ask the Lord, God, what would you have for our church in 2021? What, is there anything that, that you really is on your heart, God? Spirit, guide us. Um, give to me a, a vision or theme for our church corporately and heading to 2021. And there were two chapters in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, that I continually went back to. And as I just, I studied and I read and I prayed and meditated on, I landed on two verses, Hebrews 12, uh, verses one and two, that we are gonna focus on tonight. And it is going to be our theme for 2021. And the theme is, it is by faith. That's our theme for this year and the message for this weekend. Let's pray. Father, I don't even have to say that last year was um, a chaotic year for all of us. But as we have said repeatedly, it was not a surprise to you. You saw and you knew every event that would occur. And yet in the middle of that, you have called your people to be faithful. I am grateful for this congregation that I believe has responded in faith through a pandemic, through uncertainty, through an election. I thank you for your spirit that has guided and led us for the amazing staff and congregational leadership that you have called to help lead this church. So now as we look into this new year, I pray that we would remain faithful, that you would increase our faith as we are going to look 
at what that means from your word. We give you all praise and all glory and all thanks. Everyone said amen. So if you have your Bible or if it's on your phone, I'm going to ask that you get that out. If you're watching at home, go ahead and do that as well. If you don't, that's okay. They're going to put it on the monitor here. But here's what I would like us to do. For those of you that are here live, would you stand with me? You don't have to do that if you're at home. But for those of you that are here, would you stand? I would like us to read God's word together. His word is alive and it is a powerful word because this is the very breath and word of God. So I want us to read God's word together in these two verses that I believe he has given to us for this year, 2021. They're going to put it here. So let's read it together. This is the New Living Translation. Here we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You may be seated. Thank you for doing that. So as we begin to look at what God would be speaking to us out of this text, the very first word we read was the word, therefore. And that word requires us to go back and to examine what the writer of Hebrews had previously written. So before we get to Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, the scripture we just read, we're going to dive back and take a look back into Hebrews 11. So Hebrews chapter 11, the very first verse, actually gives us a definition of what it means to have faith, which we're going to talk about tonight. And then it spends a great amount of time giving us what I'm calling the Faith Hall of Fame. The writer goes through person after person that we read in Scripture, and he holds this person up and says, their faith is a Hall of Fame type of faith. So here we go. Let's look at the very first verse in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. This is a verse you're probably familiar with or heard. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And then it goes on and says, through their faith, everybody say faith. faith. So through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. The people in the days of old earned a good reputation. We spent the majority of the year 2020 looking at what book of the Bible? Genesis. Okay, so a lot of the people that we studied and we had sermons on are listed in Hebrews 11. The writer holds them up in this hall of fame of faith. Their stories should be very familiar to us. And we should remember that these are not perfect people. The people that we studied and we looked at in Genesis, they had flaws, they had missteps, they had a lot of baggage with them. And included in this chapter, even beyond those in Genesis, are people like Rahab the prostitute. We heard that in the video. 
The Hebrew writer in the book of chapter, or the chapter 11 holds up Samson. Samson had some issues with women. Even holds up David as a man of faith who we know had an affair and then killed his mistress's husband. These are people in the hall of faith. And if you go through chapter 11, you'll find these people and you'll find a phrase that's repeated throughout the chapter. They're gonna put some up here. It begins by saying, it was by faith that Abel. Another one, it was by faith that Enoch. It was by faith that Noah. It was by faith that Abraham. We studied all of these people in 2020. And the writer repeats it over and over. The next one, it was by faith that Sarah, it was by faith that Isaac, it was by faith the people of Israel. Again, all in chapter 11, it repeats, it was by faith, Isaac, Abraham, Sarah. It wasn't even just individuals. It was by faith the people of Israel. We spent all this time looking at them. And yet all of these folks, with all of their imperfections, the writer says, he holds them up and says, it is these people that are great examples to us today of faith. And I'll tell you what, if you're like me, this should give me and you hope because they were some screwed up people. <laughs> and how many know we're screwed up? So God gives us hope. It says it's possible for us to be great people of faith. But again and again, the writer says, it was by faith. It wasn't by their gifting. It wasn't by their leadership ability. It wasn't by their even passions, it was by faith. And in that 11th chapter, after the definition, and it was by faith, all of these people, the writer even tucks in a few verses like this. It is impossible to please God without faith. How many of you ever heard that verse before? Okay. He goes on towards the end of chapter 11 and says, how much more do I need to say? Okay, it's impossible to please God without faith. It was by faith, all of these people. And he says, how much more do I have to say? So it wouldn't be a stretch to say that faith is the most important characteristic, the most important sign that a person is a Christian. It wouldn't be a stretch to say that faith is the most important characteristic in someone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. We're even called people of faith. So if that's true, and I believe it is, we have to ask ourselves this question. What is faith then? How do you define faith? And what does faith look like in my everyday life? But here's one of the challenges. If I were to give you a piece of paper tonight and have you say or ask you the question, how would you define faith? If I was to ask you today online, to write down a definition of how you would define faith, our definitions most likely would be all over the map. They would be different. But it's my belief that too often in the modern church, we have simplified, we have misunderstood, and even in some cases, dare I say, we flat out misinterpreted what biblical faith actually is. I was sharing this with our staff towards the end of Last year, I was um, giving them insight about what the Lord was speaking to me for our church. 
in what this theme of it is by faith. And afterwards, our very own pastor, Tim Daigle, he leads our young adults, came and he said, hey, this book uh, goes right along. I've been reading it, and Pastor George, I believe, had read it. And he said, I'd like to give it to you. I think it may help. And uh, I just want to highlight this. It's a book called Salvation by Allegiance Alone by Matthew Bates. And so this really helped shape. I'm not preaching directly from the book, but as we talk about faith, that is a book that really speaks into it. I would not give it... um, I'm not, I wouldn't affirm everything quite in it. It's, it's a great book that will challenge um, your theology and doctrine, but it's a great book. It brings us back to really what does it mean to have people of faith. So before we look into Scripture and to really define, okay, what does the Hebrew writer define faith as? I'd like to talk about what faith is not because there's some misconceptions that I believe we have sometimes in regards to faith. And there's three of them. Here's the first. Faith is not a rejection of actuality. Or faith is not, I would say, a rejection of evidence or even reality. What do you mean by that? There are those who would have you believe that faith is something one must simply privately and personally affirm regardless of whatever actuality, reality, or evidence exists. Let me give you an example. Some would argue that science and the Bible are at odds, or that the Bible and science are enemies. They are not. Galileo, the famous astronomer, physicist, and engineer, he believed strongly in both God and in the role of science in the beauty of God's creation. Galileo once stated this, science tells us how the heavens go, but the Bible tells us how to go to heaven. The Bible and science are not mutually exclusive. I was talking with Pastor Rock earlier this week, and we got on the subject of faith and science and evidence and typical Pastor Rock fashion, had a great quote, and he said this, faith is not belief without evidence. It is trust without reservation. Doesn't that sound like Pastor Rock? Everybody go, oh, I miss Pastor Rock. (laughs) He's absolutely right. As Jesus followers, we look to creation of the world, science, and the realities of this world, and we should all agree that the faith God requires of us has nothing to do with ignoring actuality, reality, and evidence. But we have to understand this. Genuine faith, genuine faith, it may at times require a rejection of actuality, but ignoring reality is by no means what it means to have faith. You with me on that? Genuine faith may require at times a rejection of actuality, but ignoring reality is no means what it means to have faith. I'll give you an example of this. Noah, it hadn't rained in years, but he was obedient to God and built an ark. Abraham took Isaac up to be sacrificed. That goes against reality, but he was being obedient to God. So here's the second misnomer about faith. Faith is not a leap in the dark or as sometimes we say, a leap of faith. 
As Jesus followers, we are often encouraged to step out in faith and to do something bold for God that intentionally pushes us beyond our comfort zone. How many have ever done something like that? You've taken a leap of faith, okay. This stepping out from our security and comfort, it is, don't misunderstand me, it is and can be, I should say, an essential component of biblical faith. But hear me on this. Narrowing down faith's definition to this simplistic form is dangerous and irresponsible. It is the result of this kind of thinking that brings us false doctrines, such as name it and claim it theology. Religious salespeople who would twist scripture and have you send in a thousand dollars and in the name of faith, you will one day receive back much more. It's nonsense and that is not faith. Nor is a person's, hear me, nor is a person's lack of healing simply reduced to, well, they just didn't have enough faith. There's a wonderful example here in our church family that I want to give you in, in, as an illustration to this. I'm not going to give you their names at this point. We'll talk about it later in Missions Month privately. But there is a long-standing family in our church that are leaving their jobs, selling their home, and taking their kids to another country to obey the call of being full-time missionaries. Now, that is amazing. And I think you would agree, if you think about it in your own personal family terms, that's a huge step in the dark. That is a huge leap of faith. But again, we need to understand this. Genuine faith may require a leap in the dark, but a leap in the dark is by no means what it means to have faith. Here's the last one. Faith is not having a positive mindset. Faith is not wishful thinking. It's the last one. Faith is also not simply believing for the best. You lose your job, your rent's due, your bank account is empty, the bills are piling up, you have no idea what to do. You're trying to stay above water and you tell this to someone or you tell it to a friend and they respond by saying, don't worry, everything's gonna be all right. You just gotta have faith. Faith is not a a song by George Michael says, faith, you got to have faith. It's not wishful thinking and maintaining a positive outlook in the midst of real uncertainty. Is that what we're defining genuine faith as? No. True faith, hear me in this, true faith can't spontaneously be internally created simply on the basis of our wishful or positive thinking. But again, understand, genuine faith may lead to thinking positively, but positive thinking is by no means what it means to have faith. Does that make sense to you? Okay, you can have one with the up without the other. Faith may require you to take a leap of faith. Faith should lead you to thinking positively because you trust in God, but we can't define biblical faith in those terms. All right, so what is faith then? What are we talking about? When I say it is by faith, that's our theme that I believe God has called us to. Alan, what do you mean by that? How do we define that? Here we go. We only have to look, if you remember, to the first verse in chapter 11, 
for a biblical definition of faith. Now, I often use the New Living Translation. I love the translation. I am switching to the ESV because if you compare text, and I think we all understand that the New Testament was written in Greek, and sometimes there just aren't good words in English that match Greek words. And so you have to compare translations and all of that, and I won't bore you with that tonight. Just wanted you to know I am switching intentionally to the ESV here. So as we define faith, Hebrews 11, verse 1, the writer says, now faith is. That means he's given us the definition of what faith is. He says, it's the assurance of things. Everybody say things. Not stranger things, things. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. All right. So faith is, it's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the convictions of things not seen, okay? So it's obvious the writer twice now has put a lot of focus on this. We need to understand what things he's talking about for us to give a biblical definition of what faith is. And this is where we get off the rails sometimes when it comes to understanding what it means to be people of faith. Hear me, genuine faith Biblical faith is always, always centered on a person, not on our desired outcomes. Faith is always centered on a person, not on our desired outcomes. Genuine faith must be centered in Jesus, not what we want. That is biblical faith. I talked about the translations, how the New Testament was written in Greek, and a couple weeks ago, we went to Greek class. We're not always going to do that every week, but I'm going to revisit it tonight. So the Greek word for faith is pistis. Pistis. It, okay, that means faith. And it's used all throughout the New Testament when, in regards to faith. So we use words like believe and trust when we think of faith. But oftentimes when we use believe and trust, we have that as a mental acceptance. I believe that to be true. I have faith in Jesus. Yes, I accept who he is and what he has done, which is absolutely, hear me, that is absolutely a part of faith. However, if we stop there, we miss some deep meaning that that word pistis brings. I'm not gonna get into it today or this weekend, but there are two words that I believe, believe and trust leave out that that Greek word pistis, faith, adds. Two words, allegiance and loyalty. So when you say we are people of faith, and remember, we're talking about faith being directed towards what? Centered in who? Jesus. So it's not just, I believe in Jesus, I, tr I, I trust in Jesus. It is, I am allegiant to Jesus. I am loyal to Jesus. There are a couple things that when you say you're allegiant to someone, when you say you're loyal to them, yes, you believe in them, you trust in them, you have faith in them, you speak highly of them, but there is an obedience that comes. So faith involves obedience. It's 
So here's the definition I would hold up to you that I believe is genuine and biblical based on Hebrews 11.1. Faith is trusting obedience in King Jesus. Faith involves not only just mentally accepting and in your heart knowing, there is an allegiance and loyalty that yes, I accept I am a servant of King Jesus and the kingdom of God. Faith is trusting obedience to King Jesus. All right, so how do we live this out? When I say faith is our theme, it is by faith for ACAC in 2021. What does that mean? What does that look like? What should it look like for us in this year? Well, it brings us back to the main text, the verse that God just put in my heart, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We're going to go back to it here. Therefore, that's why we covered chapter 11, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, that huge crowd is Abraham, Isaac, Sarah, and actually it's every member of faith who has ever gone on before. We're surrounded by them. The writer says, he starts giving us some instructions. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion, I love that word, who initiates and perfects our faith. In this verse, there are three things that the writer says living by faith means. And so I would hold this up to us today for the rest of the year when I believe the Lord put this in my heart for us, for it is by faith that these three things I'm asking us to focus on Corporately as a church, you and your family, and individually in our walks with Christ, there are three things, and they're in this verse that we're going to look at. Here's the first one. Let's look at, we're going to go back. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, number one, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. Now, I didn't pick this just because it was January, and there's a bunch of weight loss goal people in here. Okay, a lot of us are trying to strip off some physical weight, myself included. But that's not what the writer's talking about. So I ask you, this year, what are some sin weights that you need to get rid of? I want to thank the guys for giving me some props. Because a lot of times, our journey of faith, some of us in 2021... We spiritually look like this. How I many you know it's pretty hard to run a race carrying a bunch of baggage? Some of us added baggage. The pandemic caused us to pick up some things that we didn't, God never wanted us to pick up. There's some things that happened in our life maybe some civil unrest in our nation that we didn't respond in faith the way God would have us to and now we're carrying some extra baggage. Maybe the election caused us to pick up some baggage that God never wanted us to carry. He's saying to us, it is by faith. It's time we strip off some weight because he's called us to run a weight race and we can't do it with this. So what is it? Is it unforgiveness? Is it resentment? 
we need to lay down? Is it bigotry? Is it selfishness? Is it pride? Biases? Idolatry? My prayer is that now and through the year, we would examine in your marriage, in your home, corporately as a church, in our finances, in your career, what do you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus? We need to strip off some weight. Here's the second one. What it means to live by faith. We're going to go back, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that easily trips us up. Let us, here's the second one, run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Look at this. Jesus is calling us. Run with endurance the race God has set before us. So therefore, let us run with endurance. Jesus is calling us to have a faith that requires running the race that God has set before us. You don't have to do this. I want to move quickly through this. But in that 11th chapter, when he goes through the Hall of Fame, it is by faith, and he names all those people. Let me read you this. In verse 33, after he says, how much more do I need to say? He says a little more. He says, by faith, these people, listen to what they did. They overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised to them. They even shut the mouths of lions. They quenched flames of fire and they escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and they put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from the dead. Oftentimes when we talk of faith, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I wanna overthrow kingdoms. I wanna shut the mouths of lions. I wanna see that kind of faith. He says, yeah, by faith that happened. Those miraculous things happen. But wait a second, uh-oh. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. Just as those miraculous things happen by faith, we often forget that the miraculous endurance was also by faith. You see, God has called each of us to run a race. And he says we need to run with endurance. Well, when you run with endurance, that means there's going to be times where you're running uphill. We all ran uphill in 2020. None of us anticipated that. And I don't want to be doom and gloom heading into a new year, but the fact is some of us, are going to see the miraculous. On a good side, some of us are going to have our prayers answered that you've been praying for years. 
and it's going to come by faith. Loved ones that you know don't serve Jesus are going to accept Jesus this year, and we're going to rejoice with you. I believe healings are going to take place this year by faith. There will be financial miracles, not because you sent in $1,000, but because you were obedient to Jesus, and you were loyal and allegiant to him, and he met the need because you were centered on him. But for others, there's going to be things that happen that you're going to have to endure. Some of you family will get sick. We'll lose loved ones this year. There will be events that happen in our world that will cause us to endure. But may we remember, we respond both to the good and the bad with faith. It is by faith. Here's the last one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, one, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that trips us up. Two, let us run with endurance the race God's besets before us. And here's the third one and the most important one. He keeps the best for last. How do we do all this? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Jesus is calling us. We keep our eyes on Jesus and he is calling us to have a faith that is directed exclusively to him as king. Remember, faith is centered in a person, not our desired outcomes. So as I close tonight, here's the part I want you to meditate and think on at the beginning of the year and keep it in front of you throughout the rest of the year. In my, whatever that is, in my blank, you fill in that gap, it is by faith. And over the days and the months ahead, we're going to revisit this. I want you to think, is it in my family, what does it mean to live by faith? In my family, it is by trusting obedience. What does that mean for you and your family? What baggage do you need to lay down? There's some endurance. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. In your marriage, in your relationships with one another, what does it mean to be allegiant, to be loyal to Jesus, to live by faith in your relationship, in your finances? What does that mean? To understand that God's the steward of everything, that he's the center we keep to him. And to, trusting obedience is knowing that he gives us everything we have and he's called us to be generous and to give. What is he saying to us in that? What does it mean to, in my finances, it is by faith, live by faith. In your career, in your occupation, in your giftings, what God has called you to do. What does it mean to live by faith? It is by faith. In our community, in our engagement with this world, it is by faith. What does it mean to interpret the world around us and to say, God, it is by faith? How do we remain centered on Jesus, loyal to Jesus, allegiant to Jesus? And then when things happen in our world, when things happen in the capital, things happen we don't understand in politics or civil unrest, or in society and culture changes, we center it. What does it mean to be allegiant to Jesus, to be loyal to Jesus, to filter that in trusting obedience and faith? And what does it mean for us as a church? So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm examining that in my own life. 
and I'm praying. And I'm asking, I'm calling our church, old, young, man, woman, wherever you're at in that, to memorize Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. There's no time limit on it. There's no test. No ushers are going to stand at the door and not let you in if you don't have it memorized. But if God puts that on your heart, and I believe he has put it on mine for this church, that you would focus, you would meditate on that scripture. Maybe you need to write it down on a card. We're going to do some creative things. And as, as we continue these services and Lord willing, our church is coming back and the kids and students are coming back. I pray that moms, dads, you would challenge your kids with that. Young kids, 11 months from now, I hope we can have them up here and they can recite from heart Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Students, memorize it. Families, memorize it. Meditate on it. And throughout the year, we're going to look at it. What does it mean in your family, your job, your career as a church, finances, all of those different areas in our personal walks of life? It is by faith. Father in heaven, we need more faith. We prayed in our prayer meeting for increased faith. And that prayer is not directed at increased positive attitude. It's not directed at taking more leaps of faith and coming out of our comfort zone, although I do believe you stretch us to do that. It's not about ignoring the facts and the reality and the evidence in the world around us. Though times you call us to go against those things. Our prayer and desire for increased faith is that you would, through your spirit and things that you bring into our life, increase our trusting obedience in you. Increase our loyalty. Increase our allegiance to you. Help us learn what that means. Let us be faithful, Jesus, followers. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.